1987 is a pretty bleak Christmas. Margaret Thatcher celebrates the holiday season at 10 Downing Street. It is her third and final term, but there are two more years ahead. The year is marked by disasters. The British economy is wrecked. There is the largest ever deficit on balance of payments to date. One tragedy follows another. Unprecedented heavy snowfall, referred to as the cold wave, the sinking of the ferry MS Herald of Free Enterprise, the Hungerford shooting massacre, amongst many others. War and unrest continue in Northern Ireland, with a terrorist bomb attack killing 11 people. It is a time when everyone could use some Yuletide joy. Challenged by their producer, Elvis Costello, to write a Christmas hit, the Irish Anglo-punk band The Pogues believe they are the ones to provide some eggnog-infused nourishment to the people. Fairy Tale of New York is what founding member, Jem Finer, and lead singer Shane McGowan come up with. The song is an unreal fantasy of the Big Apple in the 1940s and will eventually be considered a holiday hallmark. But despite its title, it is no traditional winter warmer. The duet tells the story of a couple, sung by McGowan and the British singer Kirsty McCall, who fight over youthful hopes and ambitions that have been crushed by addiction. It is meant as a satire of the classic Christmas. The song descends from nostalgia and euphoria to vitriol and melancholy in the space of four and a half minutes. Expletives fly between the lovers and the tirade peaks with McCall replying with an infamous series of lines which include the pejorative beginning with F that has long been used as a slur against the queer community. Despite all its potential offence, the song becomes a lucrative hit. Fairy Tale of New York will eventually be certified four times platinum in the UK. Christmas fans will go on proudly singing those stinging lyrics. And yet, years later, a dark cloud settles over the song's legacy. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Leah, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and were ultimately cancelled. For many years, a Christmas chart topper was a pipe dream for the Pogues. Pre-Fairy Tale of New York, the band had achieved middling success, though they were never afraid of rolling their sleeves up to try and make these dreams a reality. In 1982, the band played countless UK pubs and clubs and released a single, Dark Streets of London, through their own self-named label, which led them to gain a reputation, especially for their live performances, ultimately securing them airplay on national radio. The group rose to further prominence when they supported The Clash on their 1984 tour. But their chart success was moderate, with one UK top 10 single and their highest charting album peaking at number 13. Fairy Tale of New York would become the greatest commercial success, which McGowan said was simply a stroke of luck. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters, and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. The song's opening scene depicts a man in a New York City drunk tank. In his misery, he dreams of his Christmas Eve. He hears the boys of the NYPD choir begin to sing Galway Bay as December 25th rears its ugly head. And instead of being reminded of his happiness, this alcoholic is reminded of a snowy Manhattan that once represented his hopes and dreams, and the lover that destroyed his. An anti-Christmas Christmas song at heart, the sweetness of their early relationship takes a turn for the worst. After the whirlwind of the chorus, they are swept into an argument. McGowan sings to McCall's character, quote, You're a bum, you're a punk, you're an old slut on junk, end quote. And McCall replies with an infamous tirade that includes the words arse, scumbag, and the gay slur beginning with F, which has been used like terms such as sissy or queen to denigrate homosexual or effeminate men. Fairy Tale of New York was released on November the 23rd, 1987. It was the early part of the HIV-AIDS epidemic, a time when homophobia was at its peak. Public information about the virus was manipulated by many politicians and religious leaders in order to blame and vilify LGBTQ people, and to justify increasing homophobic repression. By 1989, the number of gay and bisexual men convicted for consenting same-sex behaviour in the UK was almost as great as in the 1950s, when male homosexuality was illegal and the country was gripped by anti-gay witch hunt. In the US, New York was especially being devastated by AIDS-related deaths, and Ronald Reagan's administration was largely ignoring the crisis. There was a silence for six years from the president, research was chronically underfunded, and the sense of emergency was entirely ignored. Ultimately, 700,000 Americans would die, predominantly of queer and black communities, many of whom the public believed were being punished by God with a, quote, gay plague for their LGBTQ identities. This is the context in which Fairy Tale of New York flings around the F-word, and this is the context in which the song is first received. Unsurprisingly, despite the homophobic lyric, the initial response was extremely positive. Styled as an Irish folk ballad with dark themes and wistful lyrics, many considered it as an antidote to the cookie-cutter conformity of the late 80s music scene. This was a time when pop production trio Stock, Aitken and Waterman were churning out countless saccharine songs for pop purveyors such as Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan and Bananarama. Given the disparity of the outside mood and pop's disregard for the mass effect, an epic crash from the sugar rush of shallow bubblegum pop created an audience desperate for the misery and despair of the Pogue song. In an interview with Melody Maker, Shane McGowan opened up about his writing process, saying, quote, I sat down, opened the sherry, got the peanuts out and pretended it was Christmas, end quote. In the UK, Christmas is considered to be the most prestigious time to hit number one on the charts. The public revels in this newfound opportunity to sing along with words that would usually be censored on daytime radio, especially at Christmas. 
Back in 1973, when Slade's Merry Christmas Everybody beat Wizards, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day to number one, the competing British glam rock bands catalyzed what would become an annual chart battle bigger than we'd ever seen. From this, a new tradition was born. With record companies eager to cash in on mouth-watering December sales and artists dreaming of glory and gratification, the festive top spot came to be considered the year's most important chart position. Listeners lapped up a Christmas song with a composition that blended sweetness and the offensive. Fairytale of New York was a hybrid form that gave them the opportunity to swear and offend over Christmas dinner. Fairytale of New York ended up peaking at number two in the UK charts, ironically beaten to the top spot by out and proud queer duo Pet Shop Boys, who had released a synth pop version of Brenda Lee's Always On My Mind. McGowan responded with homophobic rage, reportedly saying, quote, we're being beaten by two queens in a drum machine, end quote. But there was another problem. While most of the general public seemed willing to embrace the song's infamous line, many broadcasters were not. This was not necessarily an aversion to homophobia, but perhaps a politics of respectability, particularly on public radio where swearing is not allowed. Attempts to censor the lyrics were immediate, with many radio stations perplexed at how to play a Christmas song that was increasingly growing in popularity but contained lyrics that weren't family-friendly. By the time of the Pogues and McColl's 1987 performance on Christmas Top of the Pops, BBC requested that McColl's singing of Ass be replaced with the perceived less offensive Ass, but it seemed to overlook the F-word. As we can see, McGowan at the time was unabashed about his homophobia. But where did McColl, a straight cis woman, stand on singing an anti-gay lyric that she didn't write herself? As a long-term sufferer of stage fright, her performances of the song were scarce, and during her life, she never made public her opinion on the offensive lyrics. During a live performance on Top of the Pops in January 92, McCall opted for a lyric change, singing, quote, You're cheap and you're haggard, in lieu of the original line in question. It's unclear whether this word replacement was solely her decision, or if it came from the BBC production team. Years later, McCall stated in an interview that she, quote, didn't feel in competition with the Pet Shop Boys as they were doing a completely different type of music, end quote, showing that she did try to distance herself from the comments previously expressed by Shane McGowan. Yet there is still no denying her complicity in the song's homophobia. Despite the dizzying and continuing discourse between the BBC and the Pogues frontman, Fairytale of New York's popularity continued to soar and the song was given a re-release in 1991. In the 2000s, the song's popularity reached an all-time high. It was voted number one in the VH1 Greatest Christmas Songs chart three years running from 2004 to 2006, and by December 2012, an ITV special named Fairytale of New York as the nation's favorite Christmas song. But countless accolades couldn't hide the fact that the lyrics evoked discomfort, shame, and fear in members of the LGBTQ community every single Christmas, when drunk bargoers or colleagues at Christmas work parties beamed with glee each time McCall's notorious line came around. As greater acceptance of gay people grew each year, so did the criticism of leaving the song unedited. A drastic shift in media representation of the LGBTQ community was prominently exemplified by American comedian Ellen DeGeneres coming out in 1997 and the debut of the sitcom Will and Grace in 98. The popularity of TV shows such as Modern Family, Glee and RuPaul's Drag Race, all of which launched in the 2000s and featured countless queer cast members and storylines, likely shifted the opinions of their young viewers, who were in their impressionable years and were less likely to have formed firm opinions about the community. 
This didn't change the fact that across all forms of media, many queer people were still misrepresented, stereotyped, or simply remained the butt of the joke simply for their identities. The big difference was that this injustice was now beginning to spark viewer outrage and widespread controversy. By Christmas 2007, MTV and BBC Radio 1 gave in to public pressure and removed Fairy Tale of New York's slur, as well as several other words from the track to avoid offence. McCall's mother described this ban as, quote, too ridiculous, while the Pogues said they found it, quote, amusing. We all have questions that keep us up at night. The self-help industry tells us they have answers. As a journalist and a skeptic, I'm not so sure. So I've set out to talk to people who have gone to radical lengths to find answers. I'm Catherine Rowland. From Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Seeking. On season one, we're diving deep into the portal of plant medicine and psychedelics. Listen to Seeking wherever you get your podcasts. What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold? and breathe. You get into ice water, and instead of like freaking out, you relax. It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it. I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body. But there's also a dark side. How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method? We can override even death. Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now. After an outcry from certain members of the public and the tabloid press, Radio 1 reversed their decision and went back to playing the uncensored version. This toing and froing continued for over a decade. Eventually, Radio 1 made a firm decision to play an edited version that leapfrogged over any offensive words. Radio 2 aired the original, while indie Dad Friendly 6 music allowed its DJs to decide what version to play. In December 2018, two broadcasters on Ireland's RTE2 radio station protested the song's usage, asking for the six-letter F-word to be bleeped. Though this felt like deja vu, this time the request was swiftly denied. In response to RTE's decision, McGowan gave a statement saying, quote, The word was used by the character because it fit the way she would speak. She is not supposed to be a nice person or even a wholesome person. She is of a certain generation at a certain time in history and is down on her luck and desperate. Her dialogue is as accurate as I can make it, but she is not intended to offend, end quote. But it wasn't just broadcasters who were struggling with McGowan and McColl blurting out words they shouldn't be saying while families tucked into their turkey. In the years that followed, artists such as Ed Sheeran and Anne-Marie removed all the controversial lyrics from their cover version, while Irish actress Saoirse Ronan and American comedian Jimmy Fallon dropped the second verse altogether when they performed the song on Fallon's late-night talk show. But it didn't stop there. In 2019, a special Christmas edition of James Corden and Ruth Jones' sitcom Gavin and Stacey aired, featuring the infamous lyric left uncensored during a scene where two characters sing Fairy Tale of New York on karaoke. It was unclear whether James Corden didn't get the memo or simply chose to ignore the fact that the mainstream media representation of LGBTQ plus people was at an all-time high and that vast swathes of society had changed their attitudes towards certain parts of the queer community. After receiving nearly 900 complaints about the original lyric, the BBC argued in a cringeworthy statement that the song is still, quote, widely played and enjoyed in its original form, end quote and said the word deemed offensive was archaic Irish slang for a lazy person. One part of this statement does ring true. This word does have various meanings. 
it was used in the late 16th century as an abusive term for women, particularly old women. And it may also originate from the word for a bundle of sticks. But is that really what McGowan meant? It's hard to imagine this term was simply being used to refer to a sluggish person or a pile of sticks. The most widely used meaning was as a derogatory and hateful way of referring to queer people. Still, none of this controversy seems to impact the song's commercial success. Used in a campaign for Tesco in 2011, promotional material for British Airways in 2019, and an Audi's Christmas advert in 2021, Fairy Tale of New York's elevation to a modern standard has been confirmed by a chart compiled by the music licensing body PPL, which totals up every public airing a song has received, from radio and TV plays to being used as background music in shops, bars, gyms, and restaurants, since 2000 to become the most played festive song this century. But while it has the power to bring people together, listeners who choose to sing every single lyric in the name of Christmas tradition should remember that the song also uses casual language that is deeply wounding. As the band continuously approached their lyrics as a throwaway line, the Pogues seemingly dismissed that these words are fundamentally demonstrative of oppression and prejudice. Though certain music often has a shelf life, society evolves, people change, and new versions emerge, it appears a song so embedded in Christmas tradition merely faces censorship of offensive language, which doesn't automatically equal cancellation. While countless TV and radio stations bleep certain words from broadcast every single day, still an overwhelming majority of people fight for their right to yell a word packed with prejudice when singing a song that they only care about for one month each year. Though there should always be scope to make the Yuletide gay, as long as Fairy Tale of New York remains unedited, it seems a permanent place has been set for homophobia at the Christmas table. This episode was written by Rory Boyle. This is a Broccoli Production.